the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Welcome to Vatican Insider on another torrid weekend in so much of the world. After the news summary in the interview segment, I have a wonderful story to tell you. The story of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. My guest this weekend is Christina Hallmert from Make-A-Wish Italia, a volunteer since 2009 and member of their board. I'm grateful that Christina speaks English and can tell us about the marvelous work of Make-A-Wish Italia. I'm sure that most of you know that Make-A-Wish, founded in the United States, helps fulfill the wishes of children with a critical illness. Founded in 1980, it's headquartered in Phoenix. The organization operates through 59 chapters located throughout the United States, as well as in nearly 50 other countries around the world. So stay tuned for that conversation. Now some news highlights. Sunday, July 9th at the Angelus, Pope Francis said, I would like to announce that next September 30th, I will hold a consistory for the appointment of new cardinals. Where they come from expresses the universality of the Church, which continues to proclaim the merciful love of God to all people of the earth. In addition, said the Pope, the insertion of the new cardinals in the Diocese of Rome manifests the inseparable bond between the See of Peter and the local churches spread throughout the world. In fact, each new cardinal always receives the title to a church in Rome, and it's called the titular church. Let us pray for the cardinals, said Francis, so that confirming their adhesion to Christ, the merciful and faithful high priest, they may help me in my ministry as Bishop of Rome for the good of the entire holy people faithful to God. Francis then named 21 new cardinals from around the world, 18 of whom are under the age of 80 and thus eligible to be cardinal electors. As of September 30th, there will be 137 cardinal electors, 17 over the ceiling of 120 set by Pope Paul VI in 1975. The cardinals hail from around the world. Among them are the prefects of the Dicasteries for the Doctrine of the Faith, Archbishop Victor Manuel Fernandez, the Dicastery for Bishops, Chicago-born Archbishop Robert Francis Prevost, and the Dicastery for Oriental Churches, Archbishop Claudio Gujarati. Archbishop Fernandez had only been named Prefect of the DDF eight days earlier. The Holy Father also named as Cardinals Bishops Stephen Chow of Hong Kong and His Beatitude Pierre Battista Pizzaballa, the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem. And he also named the Apostolic Nuncio to the United States, French-born Archbishop Christophe Pierre. A second Apostolic Nuncio was also named a Cardinal, Swiss-born Archbishop Emile Paul Scherig. Nuncios, that is to say papal ambassadors, are usually archbishops, but the Pope in 2016 did make the nuncio to Syria, Mario Zenari, a cardinal. Also at the Angelus, decrying the tragic events that have been unfolding in the Holy Land, Pope Francis made an appeal for peace and reconciliation between Israelis and Palestinians during his remarks after praying the Angelus with the faithful in St. Peter's Square. With sorrow, he said, I learned again that blood has been poured out in the Holy Land. 
I hope that the Israeli and Palestinian leaders can resume direct dialogue to bring an end to the spiral of violence and open paths of reconciliation and peace. The Pope also recalled that Sunday was Sea Sunday, and he expressed his closeness and affection to those who work aboard ships, in the ports, and in the maritime industry. In a special way, the Holy Father offered his gratitude to those who worked tirelessly in the Mediterranean Sea to save those forced to flee their countries. Pope Francis also appealed for prayers for the Ukrainian people. Let us pray for this people that suffer so much, he said, offering Ukrainian Girl Scouts and university students from Leopoli in St. Peter's Square special greetings. I give you all my blessing and extend it to your dear ones and your people so severely tried. Monday, July 10th, Pope Francis welcomed the players and managers of the Spanish football royal club Celta de Vigo, celebrating its centenary. The club, also known simply as Real Celta, was founded in the Basque town of Vigo in Galicia in 1923. In his address, Pope Francis again reflected on sport as a metaphor of life and on its true meaning as an opportunity to rediscover and promote values, such as giving oneself generously, working as a team, but also welcoming the other as a friend to promote more united and fraternal world. Noting that the team bears the same sky-blue colors of the Virgin Mary and those of the national football club of his home country, Argentina, Pope Francis started his reflection by remarking it's almost as if Mary had wanted to put herself on the two shores of the Atlantic, which has united us more than separating us, so that we never forget her. Tuesday, July 11th, the Vatican released a letter from the Pope naming Cardinal Marcello Semeraro, Prefect of the Dicastery for the Causes of Saints, as his special envoy to the celebration of the 700th anniversary of the canonization of Thomas Aquinas, and this takes place July 18th at the Abbey of Fossanova. Francis recalled the legacy of St. Thomas, describing him as a man of the church, priest, and doctor who shared his great spiritual and human wisdom through prayers and writings. Never having an air of superiority from his knowledge, but always edified by charity, said the Pope, this Dominican friar, whom contemporaries already called the angelic doctor, was full of astonishing culture. He also noted the Thomistic Triennium, in which the 750th anniversary of his death in 2024 and the 8th centenary of his birth in 2025. These are all in addition to the 700th anniversary of his canonization. Wednesday, July 12th. In response to questions received by the Office of the Promoter of Justice regarding the news that has appeared in the press in recent days about the ongoing investigation into the 1983 disappearance of Emanuele Orlandi, the Holy See Press Office Director Matteo Bruni said, The Office of the Promoter of Justice is actively cooperating with the competent Italian authorities. In this spirit, last April 19th, the Vatican magistrates confidentially handed over to Italy, covered by the secrecy of the investigation, the available documentation relating to the cause, including that collected in previous months during the investigation activity. The Holy See shares the family's desires to get to the truth about the facts and to this end, hopes that all investigation hypotheses are explored. With regard to news involving a relative of Emanuela's, 
It should be noted that the correspondence in question expressly indicates there was no violation of the sacramental seal of confession. Well, that's the news roundup for this weekend, but stay tuned as Christina Halmer tells the wonderful story of Make-A-Wish Italia. Welcome to the Q&A, and today we talk about basilicas, major and minor. Basilica is from the Greek basilike oikia, meaning royal house, where the princely ruler lived. In Roman times, this term applied to all official buildings built in a particular style. This term was used for early or medieval Christian churches built in a certain style. A nave, two or four aisles, one or more semicircular vaulted apses, and open timber roofs. There are two kinds of basilicas, major and minor. Rome has seven major basilicas. St. Peter's, St. John Lateran, St. Mary Major, St. Paul's Outside the Walls, St. Lawrence Outside the Walls, Holy Cross in Jerusalem, and St. Sebastian. Basilicas usually have special privileges reserved to them, such as the granting of certain indulgences. The first five of these major basilicas are also known as papal basilicas. St. John Lateran, St. Peter's, St. Mary Major, St. Paul's Outside the Walls, and St. Lawrence Outside the Walls. Once called patriarchal basilicas, they are now called papal basilicas, after Pope Benedict XVI did away with one of the papal titles, Patriarch of the West. The word major does not refer to size, but rather to the church's historical importance. There are, as I just said, seven major basilicas, and they are found only in Rome. Each possesses a papal throne and an altar at which only the pope or someone to whom he has given permission may say mass. Minor basilicas, designated so by the pope, are numerous throughout the world and are churches of historical and architectural value that have particular importance for the liturgical and pastoral life of some particular place. Minor basilicas are specifically tasked with celebrating the feast of the liturgical year with great care and attention. When Boniface VIII instituted Holy Years, pilgrims had the obligation to visit St. Peter's and St. Paul's outside the walls. In 1350, Pope Clement VI added St. John Lateran. This is the Pope's cathedral church as Bishop of Rome. During the 1390 Jubilee year, St. Mary Major became the fourth basilica that the faithful had to visit on pilgrimage to Rome. Three more were added to the itinerary for the 1575 Holy Year, St. Lawrence, St. Sebastian, and Holy Cross in Jerusalem, thus bringing to seven a number considered sacred, the number of churches that pilgrims had to visit to obtain an indulgence. Father Benedict Groeschel. At the very time when the Protestant Pentecostal movement was beginning, the very end of the 19th century and the first few years of the 20th century, a movement for the Holy Spirit began in the Catholic Church. And in 1897, Pope Leo XIII issued the encyclical on the Holy Spirit, calling Catholics to pray to the Holy Spirit and ordering every parish church to have nine days of prayer to the Holy Spirit between Ascension Thursday and Pentecost Sunday. It was an age of the Holy Spirit. And I want to be honest with you, I'm somebody who's only getting by with a lot of help. And I get that help from the Holy Spirit. Don't fight the Holy Spirit. <laughs> 
It's not a good idea. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. How are you listening to EWTN Radio right now? Have you ever wished you could listen on a local radio station? Maybe our Lord is speaking to your heart to help make that happen. Don't let a lack of experience hold you back. Find out how you can help start a Catholic radio station where you live. Powered by the truth of the church and EWTN's dynamic radio programming. Email Steve at this address, radio at EWTN.com. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. I want to welcome my listeners to uh, another wonderful interview for my show this weekend in Vatican Insider. I'm going to tell you a wonderful story. I'm going to tell you a wonderful story with the help of someone named Christina. And the story we're going to tell you is all about the Make-A-Wish Foundation. I know many of you in America know about this. Do you also know that there are branches overseas? So we're going to talk about Make-A-Wish Italia today. My guest is Christina Halmert. She's been a volunteer since 2009 and a member of the board. And I'm very grateful to her for her wonderful English so that she can tell us about the work of Make-A-Wish Italia. So, Christina, welcome. Thank you so much, Joan. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's wonderful. We finally met today. We've communicated via email, etc. Tell us a little bit, first of all, you got to Rome, where you're from. You're not a, a native Roman. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm Swedish, actually. I'm from Stockholm. And, uh, well, how I ended up here? Well, I met my husband, who is Italian, uh, in Stockholm, actually. And, uh, well, mm, we moved to Italy. We married, and we have two children. And I live in Italy now since 30 years. So, yeah. That is a wonderful, wonderful story. There are many wonderful stories you and I both know about people who living in Rome now but having moved from other countries. As I told you in my, I think, my first email, a number of years ago, I don't remember precisely how many, I was contacted by a family who knew my work with EWTN. They were coming to Rome because their son, um, who had an illness, had asked to meet the Pope through Make-A-Wish in America. Obviously, Make-A-Wish in America contacted the office in Italy, and then, as they say, the the rest is history. And I just happened to come across the photograph of that family several days ago, and I thought, let's do the Make-A-Wish Italia story. Tell us a little bit about Make-A-Wish in Italy, where the headquarters are, because they're not here in Rome. Uh, That's correct. Now, uh, Make-A-Wish Italia was founded in 2004, in Genoa by uh, Sune and Fabio Frontani in remembrance of their daughter Carlotta that passed away at the age of 10. Oh. Yes. And now uh, Make-A-Wish Italia is a franchisee of the Make-A-Wish International and uh, well as you know Make-A-Wish in America was founded um, many years ago in uh, 1980 in Phoenix, Arizona. Yes. After uh, that a boy called Chris at the age of seven he had uh, leukemia. He had a wish to be a policeman for one day and actually uh, his hometown and the whole community participated to this wish. 
And that's how Make-A-Wish uh, was born, actually. Oh, it's a wonderful story because the whole police, you know, all the police got together and then the community exactly. learned of it. I am sure there is no one listening who doesn't know of it, but Make-A-Wish over the years has granted hundreds of thousands of life-changing witnesses to children battling critical illnesses. And this, of course, is on their website. If you ever want to know more, it's, it's a great, it's just wish.org. It couldn't be simpler. It gives families hope in really, really dark moments just to see a smile on the face of their child who they may not have for uh, a much longer time. So, um, Well, you know, if I can I interrupt you there, you know, yes, um, Make-A-Wish uh, grant wishes for children with life-threatening diseases, but not only life-limiting diseases. I right. mean, many of our children get well and return to normal life. And that's actually what it's all about, to give these children the chance to be normal kids and to see their uh, biggest wish come true. It gives them uh, strength and empower them to face illness, the illness, the treatments, and, uh, well, to, to look at the future again. Well, that is wonderful, obviously, to know the children do go on uh, to... Uh, perhaps be, be be cured and their ability to lead a, a normal life. What a wonderful thing that is. Because when you, you have so many people suffer when one little child suffers. You've got the immediate family, parents, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, maybe children in a school, and there's so many people that want to help. And, uh, and very often, you know, people come from outside Rome. They come from all parts of Italy to have treatments in Rome. Oh, sure. And that means that they have to leave their home. Perhaps they have to leave the siblings at home with the grandparents. Uh, the parents must uh, leave the, their work. And, you know, it's a difficult situation for these families. So, Well, actually, I know one of those families. We just happened to meet one day in a restaurant several blocks from, from my home. And Lisa... I think she'd be five now. I haven't seen her in about a year. The family comes from their home every year, sometimes twice a year, always once, for a, an issue that she has. And she goes to Bambin Jesu Hospital, which, as you know, is just blocks from where, from where you and I are seated. But it makes a huge difference to know that people care. There's convents, for example, that are open to the families of the children who have to travel to Rome for special, for any kind of special treatment. How does Make-A-Wish, how do you become aware of a wish, whether it's from Italy or, or from the United States? Well, Is um, it email? Can people contact you? Well, no. Uh, as for Make-A-Wish Italia, uh, people go to our website, and there they can apply for a wish. This happens because uh, doctors or um, medical personnel or um, persons working in the facilities for families coming from outside Rome, uh, perhaps they know a child that would really have uh, a benefit from, uh, from receiving a wish. And, uh, well, they, they apply for the wish as long as the child has, um, is eligible with uh, the kind of uh, life-threatening disease, right. uh, we can proceed. And uh, we, will, we will grant his wish. 
in the United States, I'm thinking of this family that I got to know. You have the organization Make-A-Wish in America contact someone in Genoa or, or maybe Milan. Yeah, exactly. They contact us. And, uh, well, if it's a child that wants to meet the Pope, we will, we will um, organize that. And we will uh, follow the, the child to, to Piazza San Pietro, and he will receive the blessing of the Pope. And so is there someone in particular in the Vatican that you all are in touch with to make this happen? Oh, well, yes. Actually, we have a volunteer. Our first volunteer from Rome uh, was, uh, and he is still active, Marco. Um, I'm pretty sure I've met Marco. Yes, yes. I'm sure yeah. you have. Uh, now, he has a special relationship to, to the Vatican, and he knows a lot of people. And we, uh, we have, uh, well, the, the contacts that we need to get tickets and um, sure. to enter the, the special part of the square where uh, on Wednesday's audience the Pope uh, meets the, the children with illnesses right. or uh, situations there like that. Well, and as a matter of fact, probably Marco's friend w- or contact would be the prefecture of the papal household because that's an office that's responsible for all audiences the Pope has whether the Pope is meeting the president of a country or having a general audience. Okay. So it probably be would it. be the prefecture. Yes. For someone who wishes to see the Pope, we've just talked about that, so you have the context, you can make that happen. What are some other stories, stories that you've handled, fun wishes, sad oh. wishes, unusual <laughs> wishes? Well, we have so, so many wishes. Uh, just to tell you that in since 2004, uh, when Make-A-Wish Italia started, we have granted 2,700 wishes. Wow. And uh, last year, we granted around 250 wishes in Italy. So we are ha- having so many different ch- uh, wishes to grant. It can be, you know, uh, to meet your favorite actor, singer or whatever, or to uh, perhaps go to Disneyland and meet with your favorite Disney character. Aha! Uh-huh. That's a very popular one, sure. actually. Sure. And then we have children going on cruises, uh, and we have children that want to be someone else for one day, and perhaps those are the, the ones that... Like the young boy in most. Phoenix, they want to be exactly. a, a fireman, you know. nurse, or doctor, or something. Exactly, a policeman. And we had this little girl that wanted to fly like, like a butterfly. And we actually, uh, we made that happen. It was uh, magic. And uh, we had a boy recently that wants to become an astronaut. And he went to NASA. Oh. So anything is possible. <clears throat> and this is our mission, to make children uh, believe that things can come true. And if they can see and find that their biggest wish the one that they thought wouldn't be possible can actually happen. Then anything is possible, Joan. You know. And so they, they can, can be Cinderella. A, a young girl could definitely uh, could be Cinderella. Definitely. Now, do children ever ask to see monuments? You know, they, they might be from another part of Italy, but they're ill and they can't travel. But they really want to see the Colosseum. Where all the animals and gladiators fall. You know. Yes, yes. You know, we make everything happen, actually. This is uh, the magic of Make-A-Wish. Uh, any, any, any wish uh, will be magic. 
We are not a travel agency. We are not a shop. No. We will do the things in a very magical way for the children. It will be um, uh, something to remember for the whole life. Well, then you, you certainly have to have very good contacts in uh, whether it's, it is a movie studio, uh, whether it is with famous singers, artists, pianists, soccer players. Oh, yes. Um, we, we do. We do. You have, we a, have a wonderful huge, network. We have a huge network. And, uh, well, as for the wishes that we organize locally here in Rome, uh, something that I want to mention is that uh, how, how we also spread happiness. Sure. Also among, you know, suppliers that help us to grant these wishes. They can participate in this magical moment. So uh, it's really a win-win situation. Absolutely. Oh, no, Christine, that's so remarkable. Has there ever been a wish that could not be fulfilled? Well, uh, yes, I'm sorry to say, because in certain cases, there, the medical condition of the child uh-huh. will not consent to <clears throat> exactly that kind of wish that he has or she has. Right. That is, of course, very sad. In those cases, we try to do our ut- utmost to sure. to meet, anyway, the, the, um, the wish of this child. And, uh, well, yeah. I, I, I must say that we succeed uh, quite well in that. Oh, I would imagine it would be devastating to have a request that would require a certain physical condition that the child doesn't have, so then you kind of look for plan B. Yes. You know. But, you know, we, we really manage to, well, if it cannot be fulfilled at 100%, it can be fulfilled at 99%. Sure. Do you have a, a favorite story, a, a favorite make a wish that you participated in or made happen? Oh, well, there are so many, really, Joan. Um, you know, each child, they they get to you in a, in a different way. Oh, sure. And you remember them all. Um, yes, there have, but there have been so many. I, I can't really now recall sure. one in particular. But um, Well, as you well, said, you, there you are know, hundreds the, of them. So, oh, yes, yeah. they are. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to see this... Uh, this the face of these children uh, returning to to be a normal kid again. Sure, that's really fantastic. Not to have to focus on the treatments, on his illness, and you know this little world where where they um, have to to stay during this situation. They can return to norm, normal life for a while, and that's really fantastic. I guess just being without pain, being without worry, yes. knowing that your next minute is going to be fun and filled with laughter instead of some physical test that might might bring pain. Well, that's all the time we have today for Christina Hallmert to tell us the story of Make-A-Wish Italia. But come back next week for part two, when we learn even more about the work in Italy. Are there ever wishes that are impossible to realize? How many people are impacted by a wish? How Make-A-Wish is funded and much more. For more information on these stories or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.